In the movie, Back to the Future, uh, Michael J. Fox plays a uh, character, a teenager named Marty McFly, who travels back in time and ends up meeting his dad, George McFly, uh, when his dad was in high school. And the story revolves around Marty uh, there on the right, uh, helping the young version of his dad there on the left, uh, and making good decisions uh, and helping George to avoid very bad decisions. Because if George McFly makes good choices, then Marty's dad ends up being a superstar businessman and author who is really cool and leads Marty and his family into the highest quality of life. Uh, but if George McFly makes bad choices in high school, uh, then George ends up being kind of a weak loser and his family ends up uh, being mired in a low quality life. And if George McFly makes really a really bad choice, then Marty's parents don't even get married. Marty McFly is wiped out of existence because he is never born. So Marty goes back in time to the 1950s to help his dad. Unfortunately, George McFly is such a kind of a tongue-tied uh, geek that he's not really even able to get his romantic lines as Marty coaches him. He, he coaches him, but he can't get his romantic lines correct. And so instead of expressing that he is destined uh, for Lorraine, his wife-to-be, he tells her, I am your density. And, uh, but then the logic of the movie uh, boils down to one night, uh, the night of George and Lorraine's high school prom. And on this prom night, uh, Biff, the town bully, uh, physically is roughing up Lorraine in the parking lot, and George McFly stumbles in on the scene. And if George McFly chooses to do what is right in the next moment, it will determine his the rest of his life for the better. If George McFly will uh, allow Biff, on the other hand, to intimidate him into backing down and refusing to defend Lorraine, then George will be a weak loser for the rest of his life. But if George will just choose to stand his ground against the bully, then his decision will result in a life uh, where he is a respected man in his home and his community. And seeing this crucial moment for what it is, Marty, this time-traveling son, is watching his dad uh, in the wings, just, just hoping that in this all-important moment, his dad will make the right choice. And of course, at the right moment, George McFly gives one of those Hollywood slow motes and punches and lays the bully down on his back and and George leaves arm in arm with Lorraine, his wife-to-be, who would, of course, be Marty's mom. And uh, when Marty leaves the 1950s back to the present, his father, George, is the envy of the world, and Biff the bully is a sh you know, shuffling around washing the family car. There's nothing deep about uh, Back to the Future, but the film does have a core idea at its center, which is profound. The core idea is that my present is determined by my past choices, but my future is determined by the choices I am making right now. That is profound, and that is true. It's true 
that every day I make decisions that impact the outcome of my life. And the quality of my choices determine the quality of my life. Uh, the same goes for you. That in large part, the quality of your decision making determines the quality of your life. So wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if instead of stumbling around in the dark, you could learn how to lead, to follow God's leading in the light? Wouldn't it be great if starting tomorrow, the first day of 2018, you could walk in the light of God's perfect will for you? I mean, just think how great 2018 would be if step by step you walked in the light of God's leading, keeping in mind that God knows everything. And God knows you because he created you. God knows the purpose that he created you for. And if you could walk in the light of God's leading in 2018, then you could make the highest quality decisions that would lead you to your highest quality life. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that God's word reveals how to do this. The Bible teaches how to follow Jesus with my decisions. And one of the ways that God teaches me how to walk in the light of God's leading is through the action in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts, of course, describes uh, the growth of the church in those days just after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension into heaven. So let's look at three places in the book of Acts where these first followers of Jesus had to make very important decisions, and let's learn how we can make God-illumined decisions in 2018. Let's start with the very first chapter in the book of Acts and what happened when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his 11 disciples. Remember that? 11 disciples because... Judas killed himself sometime after betraying Jesus. And so the big decision in the very first chapter of the book of Acts is who will replace Judas as the 12th apostle? Now, the position could not be filled by just anyone. In fact, it, right in the first chapter of Acts, the apostle Peter explains that the person, the candidate, has to be someone who followed Jesus from the time of his baptism all the way to Jesus' ascension into heaven. And with these qualifications in mind, it came down to two candidates named Joseph and Matthias. And picking the 12th apostle is a very big decision. So now, let me read how they made this really big decision. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 21. So the 11 disciples proposed two men, Joseph and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they drew lots, and the lots fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? That they had this huge decision before them and they, did, they decided by praying and then drawing straws. They prayed and then they rolled some dice. What if I told you that the next elder that we're going to pick here at BlackRock <laughs> will be chosen on the basis of some prayer and a Yahtzee game? I mean, that, that, 
I think you'd be surprised. And I think we're supposed to be surprised by the way the 12th apostle was chosen. Now you may say, well, the reason that they took this rather unspiritual kind of approach was because this all happened before Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon his followers. But for two reasons, Bible scholars would disagree with the premise that the 11 were being unspiritual in the way they chose Matthias. First, Jesus did breathe his Holy Spirit upon his followers, we're told, at the uh, end of uh, John's uh, gospel, and this is before Pentecost. And so they had the breath of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave to them. And then the second uh, reason here is that, well, the apostles' decision-making after Pentecost looks no more spiritual than it did before Pentecost. For instance, this is now after Pentecost, the apostles confronted another huge decision point. Uh, They confronted the potential of the church splitting because one group felt neglected by the leadership. And so, in the face of this uh, big decision, the apostles got together, and in uh, Acts chapter 6, we're told this. The apostles came up with a proposal that pleased the whole group. This time they're faced with a big decision, and they don't roll the dice. They just come up with a common sense solution that they all could agree on. Now you could say that this decision making is even less spiritual than the Acts chapter 1 one, uh, because the disciples in Acts chapter 1, they prayed before they rolled the dice. Uh, here uh, in Acts chapter 6, they prayed after. They already came up with uh, a common sense solution. So we've already seen now two ways that the apostles walked in the light of God's leading. Now let's go on to the third big decision making moment where the choice involves the apostle Paul. Paul had a big decision about where to go with the gospel. Paul is a missionary, but it's hard to be a missionary if you don't know where God wants you to go, where the mission is supposed to be. And uh, so God uh, was, uh, was sending Paul, but Paul wasn't sure where he was supposed to go. So this is what we read in Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysiae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed Mysiae and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a dream of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the dream, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The center of the account here is Paul's dream about a man from Macedonia. Uh, Notice that the dream is not about a man from macadamia, because a macadamian, he'd be some kind of a nut. So, (laughs) what? (laughs) Sorry, it was your density uh, to hear that one. So actually, the important thing, just notice here that Paul's experience is, is kind of interesting here, isn't it? I mean, that he's, lead, he's, he's being led by the light of God through a process of trial and error. Paul's idea of following God is just moving out, moving forward, 
keeping in mind his call that he has been given and just moving forward and then trying doors, opening, uh, finding open and closed doors. Paul wasn't sure where God wanted him to go, so he just tried different places. He started to go into Asia, but it didn't work out. The Holy Spirit closed the door, he says. And then Paul tried at least one other place, and it says that Jesus closed the door. And then Paul has this dream of a Macedonian guy, and then Paul is wondering, is this dream inspired by God, or is this inspired by that late-night falafel that I had last night? I mean, Paul didn't know, and uh, he decided to just act on it and found out that, sure enough, that Jesus had opened the door for the gospel to go into Macedonia. There you go. Three instances in the book of Acts where God provided leading for his people. Now, here's the big question. What can we learn from these three examples about what it means to walk in the light of God's leading in 2018? Well, let me tell you what I learned uh, from these three examples. Uh, First, what I learned is that God's leading is not a formula. Do you see any magic pattern? here of of God's leading over these three examples. I don't. In Acts chapter 1, people pray and draw straws. In Acts chapter 6, people act on a good idea that makes sense as they come together. Uh, Acts chapter 16, Paul and his friends keep moving until uh, they find an open opportunity. I don't see a pattern because it seems as though God is revealing that there is no magic formula for his perfect will which is very important to understand if I want to follow Jesus into this new year. It's important to understand that there is no magic three-step, four-step formula for making a God-inspired decision. Now, keep in mind, obviously, uh, consulting Scripture, asking God for guidance in prayer, taking advice from wise people, making pro-con lists that maybe God can use to clarify the decision. These are all good practices, but there is no formula. And to be honest, that's exactly what I want, (laughs) because uh, trusting God can be very ambiguous. I would rather trust a hard and fast formula, do this, do this, do this. But God doesn't give me a formula for following Jesus. And then there's something else to notice. I notice here that God doesn't rely on special effects. Uh, I'm amazed to discover that in the book of Acts, God's leading is not outside normal, everyday life. It's interesting to see what God did and what God did not do. God did not lead his people through a deep voice from heaven. God did not lead his people by handwriting on the wall or a a pillar of fire. God did lead his people by just giving them good ideas that they could uh, follow through with common sense. Or in Acts chapter 16, sure, Paul had a dream, but it was a dream that had to be confirmed by jiggling doorknobs and trying to figure out whether uh, this was where God was leading or not. In the book of Acts, I discover that God doesn't interrupt life in order to lead my life. Scripture indicates that God leads me in the midst of ordinary, everyday life. So God does not lead through a formula, and God does not lead through special effects. And when I combine these two observations, I see a third lesson. 
about following Jesus with good decisions, and that is this. God's leading is a lifestyle. A lifestyle of relating to God and serving Him. So this is the only commonality between these stories of God's leading in the book of Acts. The people who received God's leading had one thing in common. They were all engaged in a lifestyle of, of a relationship, a personal relationship with God, and they were all dedicated to a call that they sensed God had put on their lives to serve Him by serving people. So that's the kind of people God leads. God leads people with a daily relationship with him as described in Acts chapter two with these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So these people walked in the light of God's leading. Why? Because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's God's word and to prayer. And note this, note this, that Bible reading and prayer is an important part of God's leading because this is part of building a daily relationship of getting God's input from his word and then reflecting it back in a conversation with God. And then also notice that these people, they served God through what was called fellowship and breaking of bread. And this is a word, that is, this is a phrase that refers to the fact that they, they were dedicated to serving God by serving people. Serving people in and through the church, the community of God's people. Note this, that if you want to be led in the light of God's leading, you need to be in a community group of God's people. That's part of of serving God. So there's relating to God and there's a serving to God. And right here is the secret to walking in God's light in 2018. If you wanna make the highest quality decisions in a high quality life, if you wanna make God-inspired decisions in this next year, here is the secret. The secret is maintaining a relationship with God on a daily basis and serving him, following a call to serve him by serving people. God leads a certain group of people on this planet, those people who relate to him as a lifestyle and those who serve him as a lifestyle. This isn't my idea. This is summarized in a very well-known scripture in Romans 8, uh, verse 28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So notice that this promise does not say that God works out for the good for everybody. No, God works for the good. He works all things and directs all things and leads all things for a certain group of people those who love him, that's the relating to God part, and those who align with his purpose, that's the serving God part. You know, there are, there are so-called Christ followers who seek God's leading about the same way that unbelievers seek leading through a horoscope. These so-called Christ followers, 
don't think about God. They don't think about a relationship with God. They don't really think about serving God or his purposes until they hit a decision crisis. And they have an emergency need for leading. When they hit a crisis where they need to decide what college to go to or whether or not to take a certain job or whether to move the family out of state, suddenly they turn to God for a lead. And these people show by their lifestyle that they don't really want to know God. They want to know the future. They seek divine guidance not out of a warm friendship with God, but like a cold call to heaven for an insider tip. God can't lead me through cold calls. The light of God's leading comes when I commit myself to a journey, daily journey with Jesus. Where on the journey, I get to know Jesus and I get to know his heart. I get to know what he thinks about things and what's important to him. Where on the journey, I learn what pleases God and then I devote myself to wanting to serve him in a way that I know will please God. And when I'm living in this relationship of serving him, I don't end up in these crisis points where I end up begging God out of panic, should I marry this person? Should I take this job or not? Instead, I can live a little bit like Adam in the unfallen Garden of Eden. You know, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall, Adam had this close relationship with God where he just fulfilled the job that God gave him to do of serving. And uh, God said to Adam, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for one tree. And as long as Adam stayed away from breaking his relationship with God through that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam lived in the light of God's leading. It wasn't like Adam was in the middle of the garden of thousands of trees and had to say, now God, should I eat from this tree? Lead me, lead me, lead, lead. You know, how about this tree? Should I lead me, should I eat from, again, I'm getting hungry, God, tell me what to do. No, within his daily relationship with God, Adam could use his judgment and pick from any of the trees in the garden. He could, so to speak, roll the dice and decide uh, which one he would pick, just like those apostles did in chapter one of Acts, knowing that the secret, the secret to living in God's leading is a close relationship with God. And when I'm in that zone, God leads me so that even things that look like chance become part of God's plan for me. If I want to live in the light of God's leading, I must dedicate myself to a relationship with God where I'm growing in my love for God and I'm growing to understand my shape and my call where I can serve God by serving other people. Now, everything I've said so far, I hope it isn't creating within you a rising sense of panic that you don't want to miss God's will and so forth because really the purpose of this message, I'm sure that God wants me to deliver this message to you, is to reduce the anxiety. So many of us who are followers of Christ, we tend to end up living in this nervousness of not wanting to miss the, the, what God has for us when really God wants us to relax in a sense of peace, knowing and trusting him, that really what we end up doing in terms of making the leading of God so complicated, God wants to say to us, it's simple. It's so simple, a child 
must do it. That's you. That following God's leading is as simple as being a child who puts your hand in the hand of a loving father who wants the best for you. And then uh, the best is, uh, is related to this uh, brochure uh, that we talked about earlier. Again, don't, ma- don't miss this, all right? You might want to take it out now or t- look at it later because this brochure, uh, this could be your most important step uh, for today uh, into the new year. Uh, because right here on the eve of a new year is the perfect time to choose to commit to a regular Bible reading, uh, to commit to, you know, maybe a, uh, some sort of a decision between you and God about how you're going to spend more time listening and talking to God in prayer, but also to, to commit to the opportunities that are given to you to grow in that relationship with God and to grow in relationship with his people. So maybe it's a, a, a commitment to join one of those Sunday morning studies like Starting Point or Next Chapter or to commit to a community group. Uh, check this out. Whatever you do, don't just sit there. If you want God to lead you to the highest quality life, you must start moving. Take a lesson from the Apostle Paul. His idea of, of, of following God's leading was just moving forward in his call and being willing to try the doors. So it's been said, God doesn't steer parked cars. If you want God to steer you in 2018, don't just sit there. If you want God's leading in 2018, get moving, all right? That time-traveling son, uh, Marty, was in that strange place where he could see the life of someone he loved in that one moment that would change his life forever. That's what it was for George McFly. But you know, real life is not like a slow motion uh, Hollywood punch. But the truth is, there are holy moments. There are holy moments in our lives, and it could very well be that God has you in his view right now, someone he loves very deeply, and he can see, perhaps God can see, that the trajectory of your life, certainly your life in this next year, comes down to your decision in this holy moment. In this holy moment, right now. Because this is the moment when you decide whether you will live in the light of God's leading by pursuing a lifestyle of a relationship with God where you pursue a desire to serve Him as your highest calling and purpose. Walk into this new year in the light of God's leading, and you will walk into this new year with the best days of your life ahead of you. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.